Welcome. This is EIG, Milwaukee's philanthropic community, with your host, Jill Economo, on News Talk 1130 WISN. Welcome to Milwaukee's philanthropic community, brought to you by the Ellen Becker Investment Group. Hi, I'm Karen Ellen Becker, the founder and senior wealth advisor. We are bringing this show to you in an effort to showcase all the wonderful nonprofits in the community and really to show you the great work that's being done and to help educate you on their resources in the event that you know somebody that really could benefit by them. And I was absolutely amazed. I thought I was in the know until we started doing these interviews. And I went, I don't know most of these at all. And so I know what we're doing is really a benefit both to the charities and to our community. And of course, there's always that, how do you give back the the passion to give of your time and your talents and your money. Um, and also those people that might be beneficial. So if you like and you will like what you're hearing today, you can go to ellenbecker.com, and you can hit on the button that says radio shows. There's two radio shows, Money Sense, the one that I've done for 30 years, and then we've got um, our Milwaukee Philanthropic Community. You can hit on that, and we've got it set up so that you can send it to anyone that you know that would benefit from um, hearing this interview. I have two guests today. We're going to first start with Kathy Gale, who is the executive director of Eras. Mm-hmm. Got it pronounced right. Yeah. And as we were talking earlier, she has been doing this for 18 years. So I guess the first thing um, to ask you is, how did you get involved? Mm. And how did that passion stay there for 18 years because that's a big thing you know so I'm going to say you're not burnt out you don't look burnt out you got this great big smile and uh, that's a big thing with any time we do something for such a very long time yeah thank you what a great question to start out and thank you so much for having us here and um, focusing on the needs of older adults uh, in Waukesha County Um, you know the the passion I think stems from the simplicity of the mission And I answered an ad to apply for a job back in 2001. And the mission of the organization was simple. It was connecting community volunteers to senior citizens who didn't have enough family living nearby to help them. And if they didn't have family to take them to doctor appointments and mow their lawn and shovel their snow, then after a while they couldn't keep living in the home that they wanted to live in. And they had to move earlier than they wanted to. And the organization worked with congregations. I happened to be married to a Lutheran minister, so that seemed to be a really good fit for me. I was comfortable with that. That was a good slide in transition. Yeah, (laughs) it was. I thought, boy, that'll work. I know how to to talk to people in churches. Um, So I applied for a position to do community outreach and work with churches. And then later on in the first year, the position opened up for executive director. So I applied for that. And at that point, I'm not really sure uh, that the board of directors knew that they were hiring somebody who would stick around for 18 years. (laughs) But every board president is happy that they haven't had to replace me. Nobody wants to have to do that job, right? Uh, Especially when it's working. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. Because, you know, that really is the true job of the board is to Mm -hmm. step up and evaluate how the executive director is. And if they don't feel that they're really doing the job that they're hoping for, that's their job is to replace you. Yeah, exactly. That is a huge statement. Yeah, it it really is. And uh, I've been fortunate in all these years to have 
really phenomenal boards of directors and great partnerships with the board presidents. And I think that's part of what keeps me from being burned out because the work is hard. As you know, we're, we're seeing more and more people coming to us for help. And today, this many years later, the mission is still that simple connection of community volunteers with older adults who need help. And some of the conditions are more complicated. Um, people these days live longer to an, a, 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 you know, an older age than they used to in generations past. So we have people in their mid-90s who have multiple diseases that they're trying to manage, whereas 40, 50 years ago, people didn't live that long. So now you have family members who are also managing their own health conditions. And it's not uncommon for us to have two generations as clients needing help. So although uh, the mission continues to support people in the same way, it's kept me challenged and it's kept the organization needing to grow and to make sure we're responding to what the community needs. Nothing stays the same. No, exactly, exactly. But uh, but I will say that uh, what's consistent through that is Waukesha stepping up to be there in a compassionate way for older adults. And we just have to continue to tell the story of what people need. And, and then we have people stepping in to volunteer, whether it's a one-time project or we have people who are helping out every day of the week, giving rides to people to health care appointments or picking up food at the food pantry and dropping it off for people who can't get out of their homes. And there's a way that anybody can get involved and they can do it within the schedule that works for them. And these senior citizens are grateful for every single person who helps. How many volunteers do you have? We have about 1,200 volunteers oh in Waukesha goodness. County. Yeah, That alone is a job to keep it, track of. Yeah, it is. We've got a full-time person who's our volunteer manager. And her job is to shepherd the uh, first time you contact our organization, um, make sure you understand what you're um, getting into, and understand why we do a background check so that when we send you out to work with a senior citizen, that senior citizen is confident in who's coming and into safe. their home and safe. Yeah, exactly. Um, so we manage that big volunteer core, try to recognize them once a year and uh, thank them for the work that they do. So our staff in Waukesha is about 17 people managing that big army of volunteers, everything from the board of directors to uh, leaf rakers and drivers, people who are decorating birthday cards that get sent to the seniors, you know, um, all kinds of volunteers. Is there a specific age that um, denotes a senior for your organization? Well, that's a funny question. Um, <laughs> you know, again, 18 years ago when I started, senior seemed a long ways away. Um, in one of our programs, the Retired and Senior Volunteer Program, you're a senior at age 55. And for receiving services from us, it's age 60. So uh, we also do provide services to people 18 and over with a disability. And that tends to be a lot of people who um, really suffer from the impact of mental illness. They don't drive. They need help getting their groceries, getting their medications. And we have volunteers that help, to help that population as well. That tends to be about 30% of the population that we serve. The majority of the people that we're serving are 60 and over. And the largest uh, portion of that population tends to be people who are 85 and over. 
And often those are people who have outlived a lot of their resources. Their family might not live nearby. They don't drive anymore. And they're having more frequent doctor appointments that they need to get to. Uh, in Waukesha County in the next 20 years, that population is expected to grow by four times. Wow. So we're, you know, we're going to have even more people who are trying to manage on their fixed income and uh, stay in the home of choice as long as they possibly can. Let's um, actually let's take a break in, in just a minute. And the two questions that I would ask you to ponder mm-hmm. <laughs> as we take our break is that um, to help me understand and my listeners how these um, how these individuals are actually um, determined in the community. Because as you mentioned, there are so many that have families that aren't around, and I know this is becoming a really important time for our clients and we're talking a lot about it is the holidays are coming and very often people come when they don't normally come and to identify oh my goodness you know mom isn't just seeming you know the house isn't as clean as it used to be or mom was always so impeccable with her clothes and now and you know, one of I've opened up the refrigerator and I can't believe what's all in there, and you know these types of things. And so, how is someone in the in the community actually identified? And if um, there's a, a child or an adult child saying, you know, what do I do? Because one of the things that is really hard for a lot of people is to brave that conversation and to. Um, go into that role of where mom and dad were always taking care of us and now I have to take care of them. And, you know, that's that's a big challenge. And so we'll take a break and let's just kind of start out right there. Thanks for tuning in. This is EIG, Milwaukee's philanthropic community with your host, Jill Economo on News Talk 1130 WISN. Welcome to Milwaukee's Philanthropic Community, brought to you by the Ellen Becker Investment Group. I'm Karen Ellen Becker, and I'm the founder and senior wealth advisor for EIG. And this has been such a um, passionate part of what I wanted to do. I always feel that a gift isn't a gift till it's given away. And I have just this wonderful company and wonderful clients and employees and family. And I really just was looking for a way that I could go back. And by bringing these wonderful charities and talking about them and how people can get involved is is just a gift that I wanted to give away. And my guest today is Kathy Gale, and she's the executive director of ERAs, and she's been there 18 years, which is really, um, that is really amazing, and it's really wonderful to be able to keep that excitement and the interest and the passion and to continue to look for new things. And I find working with my clients and so many of my clients are also retired and taking care of parents. And we have these conversations about them and making sure they have the powers of attorney for health care in place and who's going to step into that role because sometimes there's really nobody. And then we talk about the house, how long to stay in the house. And I'm finding that so many of my parents' ages who have now both passed and my clients, that their interpretation of leaving the house and going to another house is um, like a nursing home, the old-fashioned nursing homes, and there's a lot of fear there. So I'm wondering, Kathy, I mentioned it before we took our last break, 
these conversations, holidays are coming, how do people, how do, do you get the awareness that somebody needs your help? If there's someone listening that says, I wonder if mom or dad would benefit because I'm just noticing that something isn't the same, but they also don't know how to walk into that space of um, talking about it. Mm-hmm. That's you. You've hit on such an important subject and everything around it, which is how do you start? Where where do you begin with this conversation? And as you mentioned, it's often when the family comes home, and maybe they've had telephone conversations with mom, but they haven't seen her for a few months, and they notice it when they walk in the door that the house is not quite as clean and tidy as it has been in the past. The best thing to do Spoiled is... Spoiled food in the refrigerator yeah, is yeah. one of the things that I have found that my clients will say, oh my gosh, I went there and I had to clean out the refrigerator. There were just so many things in it that were too old. I was afraid my mom could get sick or, sure. you know, or not taking medications, yep. you know, pills around. and Right. And all of that can contribute to uh, safety issues. If somebody's not taking their medications correctly, they may fall in the home. And that uh, then starts to lead to a domino effect. If we fall, there's a, a broken hip, and now everything is changing very rapidly. And the best thing to do is to have the conversations before you're in crisis. Mm-hmm. And even to try to have the conversations before you notice the changes. So the the gifts that I had uh, from both of my parents who are also gone is that they talked about it together. And then they made sure that we talked about it as a family. And when t- times came to make decisions about where to go, what kind of help did they need, we had had the conversations when we were not in crisis. And at that point, you can you can look at your options differently. Um, you're, you're not faced with only two places that have space for rehab. You can really have a conversation about this is where mom prefers to go. So let's make sure that we're all in agreement and someone writes it down. And one of the best things that a family can do is go to the Aging and Disability Resource Center in their county and just go there and get educated on what is available. Each county has an ADRC. There are people who are specially trained to meet with the families or the seniors or both, depending on who wants to go. And you sit down and you talk about this and you develop a plan and you do it a little bit at a time. And you have those conversations and then when something happens and something will happen, that's inevitable, you can focus on your mom or your dad and you don't have to be distracted with all of the details of things because you didn't have those conversations. And there's there's a sense of peace about that, uh, that you get that kind of taken care of, like you said, your power of attorney and you get your will done um, so that at those moments when you're grieving, you don't have to be thinking about those details. You get to just be with your family or your parent at that point. What about that family where, well, two things, the family that sat down with dad at Thanksgiving dinner five years before he was sick and dad said, don't, I want to die in my house. You know, I want to die in my house and I don't want to ever have to go to a nursing home. And I remember my mother when she was sick, and she said, if I'm like that, I want you to pull the plug. And I said, Mom, you don't have a plug. <laughs> it's not like I'm going to shoot you or you don't have a plug. You know, because it, it's sort of in a way funny. I yeah. mean, they make a jest of it. And then, oh, oh yeah, Dad, you can, we'll keep, you'll be able to stay. And then all of a sudden, Dad is sick. It's 
dangerous for people to be lifting him because yeah. he's heavy, can't get him to the bathroom, can't do the things. And I'm actually painting a picture of my dad yeah. because he made us promise that. And we were doing everything wrong. I mean, we were lifting him out of a bed, and we had finally someone come in and said, why don't you put down a shower curtain and roll, pull him? And it was like, are you kidding me? That is so makes so much <laughs> sense and is so simple. But when you're in crisis, yeah. you can't think. No. You can't think simple. You think do yes <laughs> yeah and and i think it, again that promise of we will never move you to a nursing home we will never move mom to a nursing home um today there are so many options for people to have housing there are wonderful places that you could move and services can be brought to you so you don't just go from the house where you raised your children to um you know somebody's fearful idea of a nursing home. Many, many options in between. People can stay in their homes. They have to have the resources to mm -hmm. do it and bring in uh, the companies and the right trained people for that. But I think as situations change, it's really important and it's fair for the family to continue to talk about, you know, we thought that this was going to be the best situation. Dad, how are you feeling about having us try to pick you up out of bed? What would you think about? Do you think we could talk about different options? Or it's all daughters like we were. Yes. And giving your yeah. father a shower. Yes. He was mortified. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and maybe, maybe you just need to have that conversation. And sometimes, I know when I was a caregiver for my mother, I had to turn it back around to myself and say, Mom, you know what would really help me would be to do it this way. And it would take the pressure off of her. She would look at it as, okay, I'm going to help Kathy be able to do something a little bit more easily. And, um, yeah, we don't know until we're in those situations. And there are some statistics, I don't know exactly what they are, um, where caregivers often get sick and mm -hmm. um, I don't know if it's die or just need more services themselves because they're caring for someone that they don't know how to do it right and they're up listening all night and they're not getting sleep mm -hmm. and they can become ill themselves. Absolutely. And like you said, uh, it's the daughter. It's frequently <coughs> the daughter, middle-aged daughter who is raising children, often working full-time, and at a point in her career where she's really trying to, um, you know, do some great things for herself. And the stress of being a caregiver can be incredibly impactful on a person's health as well as their financial well-being. Mm -hmm. Because if they can't take uh, a promotion at work or they have to go part time, then that's going to affect you down the road. You've, you're less able to put money away for your own future. So yeah, you're, you're really hitting on it, the, the oh, whole you stress to, you of it. You miss work. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's so many other things that happen. And one of the things that I happened to notice was the impact of isolation. Mm. So a lot of times people want to stay in their house, and maybe they even can, but they're so isolated mm -hmm. that that also becomes an issue, particularly when, a, when one of the spouses passes away. Mm -hmm. They don't realize how much they've depended on that person just to know that they're there in the event that they fall in the middle of the night to go mm -hmm. to the bathroom yeah. or, you know, or something like yeah. that. Yeah. There's a uh, recent research that came out of the university of California that the impact of loneliness is the same as smoking 15 cigarettes a day for all of your life. Oh my yeah. Gosh. There's actual research behind that now. So really looking at isolation and loneliness and understanding that when people are isolated and they lose meaningful connections to the community, whatever that is, yes. that that really does have a physical impact on them.
We're going to take a quick break. My guest today is Kathy Gale, and she is the executive director for ERAs, and that is working with seniors in the Waukesha County to bring them services to make their lives better Mm -hmm. is really what it is, and to keep them healthy and safe. Mm -hmm. We're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, let's talk a little bit about what a volunteer does in terms of if they're thinking what are some of the things because what you just said about loneliness and isolation a lot of times people can't wait to retire and they can't wait to get away from that job and all of a sudden they have that opportunity to retire and they find themselves isolated and lonely and where they experienced this gift of um of helping people or you know, solving problems or doing things, all of a sudden now golf isn't as, 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 as much fun and watching TV and doing the things that they did and before. And now it's like, what could I do to really bring value and feel good about it? So those are our two things for the next segment. We'll be right back. You're listening to EIG, Milwaukee's philanthropic community, with your host, Jill Economo, on News Talk 1130 WISN. Welcome to Milwaukee's philanthropic community, brought to you by the Ellen Becker Investment Group. My guest today is Executive Director Kathy Gale with ERAS, and that is a um, senior network in Waukesha County, and what they want to do is engage seniors, relate to them, advocate for them, support them, keep them safe. And uh, we were talking earlier about what I see in many of my clients is that they can't wait to retire. They say, this was my magic number, and I'm done. And then they come back and say, okay, you know, I'll say, how is retirement? You love it? Well, I did in the beginning, but now it's kind of boring. I don't know exactly what to do. And everyone's a little different, but I did read a statistic not too long ago that said um, one of the things that people want to do when they retire is the things that they didn't think they could do enough of Mm. before, which that might be gardening or fixing up their house or golfing. And eventually your house is fixed off and eventually, you know, you get tired of gardening actually. And what I saw about (laughs) golf was that people who golf in retirement actually golf worse than they did when they weren't retired because they knew they had that precious Saturday and they really applied themselves. Now they go, oh, I can golf three times a week. I don't need that. You know, I can golf better next time. <laughs> and so uh, I thought that was very interesting. But when when we talk about my clients and my listeners out there, what are the types of things you'd mentioned a few before that they can get involved in? How do they contact you to do that? And um, what do you see... Maybe you have some stories to share. What do you see happening? Because I always feel that I get more than I give. Yeah, that, boy, that, that is absolutely true. And what we hear over and over again, people will sign up to volunteer. Um, they want to help out. They want to make a difference. They read something that talks about one of our older adults who needs help with transportation to medical appointments. And they think, oh, I can do that. I can give somebody a ride. And we will get emails from our volunteers who are new saying, I had no idea how lonely this person had been. She told me all about her family, about her late husband. Um, I had no idea. I just thought of this as giving someone a ride. And this completely changed 
my perception. It changed my day. Uh, so those are volunteers that help out in our Faith in Action program and get involved and help those seniors who, who really need support to be able to live independently. And then another really important part of our agency is our Retired and Senior Volunteer Program. And there we have about 350 older adult volunteers who are active in schools. And what what you were talking about reminded me of a story of a woman who had retired for a while, and she really was struggling. She had been very active, uh, successful, you know, got up every day, put a business suit on, and had a very important job, um, and looked forward to retirement, um, understandably. But it got to be very difficult, and we received a, an email from her saying how much she loved going into the schools because on Tuesdays and Thursdays, she knew that there were children waiting for her and she needed to get up and she needed to get dressed and she put her makeup on and uh, she didn't really view it as a job, but she took it very seriously. And it kind of helped her to get out of that rut of what am I going to do today? Does it, does it my matter? My calendar's empty. Yeah, my calendar's <laughs> empty. And knowing, and, and she can see the difference that when she shows up week after week, that those children are so happy to see her and the impact that she may never really know is what she's doing through that intergenerational role modeling. A lot of times the students that we're helping don't have great connections with their own grandparents. They may not live close. They may not have grandparents. So now we're showing those students, here are caring people in the community that that's not your teacher. This is a volunteer who shows up week after week, sits next to you, helps you with your math homework, listens to you read, um, and they just keep coming back. So it really benefits both generations. Um, But I always come back to that particular volunteer and what a difference, a shift it made for her. So we have, um, like I said, about 350 senior volunteers who are in the school district of Waukesha and Menominee Falls, all different levels from kindergarten all the way on up through high school, believe it or not. Um, If you can imagine, there are high school students who benefit from this too. A lot of our volunteers are in the middle school sitting with those uh, uh, sixth, seventh, and eighth graders that are a little bit uh, troublesome if any of us have raised children. Um, <laughs> but again, having that role model and for our senior volunteers to come in, be patient, compassionate, listen to these students, help them with their academics. Um, and then, you know, one or two hours of that, it it completely shifts the narrative for the student and it reminds that volunteer that they sure are needed. But then they can go play golf if they want to. You know, it's so funny, your story, because something that most people, and I don't think my, my listeners know about me, is that when I was in high school, I worked at the Glendale Nursing Home. I was at oh. Nicolet, and you used to be able to go underground in a tunnel, and then you came up where the football field was, and the nursing home was there. And I wanted to... I wanted some new clothes and things, so I got a job. Uh And I could walk there after school because I wasn't driving. I was a freshman. And I started out in the laundry department doing – because at that time, they had diapers. And we would rinse them out, and I would wash them and fold them and put them in piles. And then – this woman recognized me and said, would you prefer working in the kitchen? And I worked in the kitchen for a couple months. And then um, another woman came up to me and said, the 
everybody loves you. And when they see you, and they did, and they smiled. And I didn't really have grandparents. My mm. grandparents were in Minnesota, and I, I, they were passed away. And um, I was working in occupational therapy. And what I did was I would sit and talk to them, write cards, get a birthday cake for their birthday, take them to church. And I was the only one doing that. And I just fell in love with these mm-hmm. with these people and mm-hmm. the stories they told me. Even just giving a ride to a doctor appointment, that gift of being a presence and listening and not having judgment, but just being there with people. And it happens over and over again. And that realizing that someday we might be there. Absolutely. It yeah. really humbles us. It does. Doesn't it makes it? us yeah. more aware. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And, and, you know, you really pointed to something that it doesn't matter, the fur coats, the money, the anything like that at the heart of it. We want to connect with each other as people. And I know that it's happened many times that uh, one of our clients will get news at a doctor appointment and it may not be positive. And they're going home alone. They're going home to an empty house. But if they have a volunteer that maybe they can just talk to a little bit, um, you know, share some of their fears or maybe just have a little bit of a connection, it it helps to bridge that experience for them. So it's um, a huge gap. That it, it, it is. It is. It is just the uh, conversations, just that very act of listening and being present. That's really what people are looking for. Yeah. A safe place. Yep. Absolutely. Um, we're going to take a quick break and then I'm going to introduce my other guest who is here, and that's Melissa Bissing, and she's with the Owens Little Warrior, started that, and it is a wonderful organization that does work with you Mm -hmm. on some special events, but can you give them how, so there's people out there now saying, you know, I have 10 hours a week or six hours a week that I'd like to do this. How do they get in touch with you? Um, is there some place where they can go to get more information? You bet. So our main number, 262-549-3348, or just ERAS, E-R-A-S, ERAswaukesha.org. And you can start there and find out all about our organization and apply to volunteer. Well, the holidays are coming. What a great time mm-hmm. to, to be involved because so many of these people, um, they love music and there's so many things going on. So it's kind of a holiday. And with you that, bet. we are going to talk about your holiday giving program when we get back. So stay tuned. Thanks for tuning in. This is EIG, Milwaukee's philanthropic community, with your host, Jill Economo, on News Talk 1130 WISN. Community brought to you by the Ellen Becker Investment Group. My second guest today is Melissa Bizzing, and she is the, um, you really were the founder mm-hmm. of um, Owen's Little Warriors, and I have sort of screwed up here a little bit. I took too much time, and now, Melissa, you are on. You have the show, <laughs> and it's my fault, but we are going to get this out there. And the reason that we're doing these two together is because Owen's Little Warriors really does help out eras in terms of their holiday gift program. And so the first thing that's most important is why did you start this? Um, this, our organization, Out of Giving, really uh, was born out of a lot of sadness and loss. Um, I was pregnant with triplets and gave birth to three amazing triplet boys, Owen, Logan, and Weston. Um, and when they were six months old, Owen actually um, was found unresponsive in his crib. Mm. So he lived on life support for an entire week while doctors tried to ever, tried to um, help him. But at the end of the day, um, 
he um, was um, declared brain dead. And so we fought really hard for him to be an organ donor. And he donated his heart, his liver, and his kidneys. So he's a heart sister in Minnesota. Her name is Josie. She's actually entering the fourth grade this year, which is fantastic. (laughs) Um, But out of all of that loss, when Owen went into the hospital, I started blogging. Um, I had had a blog from being pregnant with triplets, because let's be real, that's kind of a freak (laughs) of nature. (laughs) And I had a lot of family out of town. Um, And so the night that Owen um, went into the hospital, I wrote a blog basically asking for prayer. Like, I was at my last vet. I had done everything that I could for my son. I had done the CPR. I'd called 911, and we got to the hospital. And now all I could do was pray and ask for others to help. Um, And that's when my story, like, humbly, like, went viral. On the day of his funeral, there was about a million hits on my blog. Um, And with that came a lot of gifts. And with that came a lot of monetary donations. Um, And I felt a great deal of responsibility on what was I going to do this. Owen's story of organ donation meant that there was more life coming out of this incredible loss. And I had a great deal of responsibility. And it gave me a great deal of healing to help um, continue that that um, that theme of giving in life after death. So um, one of my good friends, Sarah, um, I've worked with her for many years. She came up with this idea and she'd said, you know, one of the greatest things that about Owen's story is that he was so giving and I want my kids to grow up to be generous. And when I look in the community, there's not a lot of organizations that my kids at very young ages at like two, three, four, five can participate in. Um, at the time, there was really only like ringing the bell for the Salvation Army at the <laughs> holiday program, which is great, but it's only one small thing. And um, there wasn't a lot of other opportunities for kids of that age. So she said, what if we start designing children's pro- service projects that are family oriented and um any age, literally any age, can participate in. I was like, that's a cool idea. What are we going to do? <laughs> so she actually was at church and heard, um, I think it was Gail, I think you were speaking, and made a call in her church saying that they needed homemade ornaments. And so I was like, kids can make ornaments. Kids' ornaments are the coolest. They're all a little lopsided and the googly eyes don't quite match. Um, but they're the best ones and my favorite ones on my tree. So we reached out and said we were going to do this ornament drive. Um, Summit View Elementary School gladly lent us their um, gymnasium on a Saturday morning. And I just put it out there on social media to say who wants to come. And I had at the, I had families from around the world offering crafting donations and would ship me materials. And I had a Google form, like this lame little <laughs> Google form. I'm like, well, if 10 kids come, that would be great. And so on that very first morning, um, we had about 60 kids the first year that came and we made um, just a several hundred ornaments. Um, and it was great. Like, I remember wearing my Owen shirt, and I had an orange highlight in my mm. hair at the time. And I remember looking around the gym, and I was like, oh, oh, my gosh, my kid did this. Like, I was the proudest mom in the whole wide world. <laughs> and then to package them up and know that, again, this, like, gift of life was happening again. Like, after this project, there was even more that was going to happen. And it was just, like, this giving after giving, right? Like my kid, the kids that came got something and knowing that these grand friends in the community were still going to get something and how that was just going to evolve over time and get forward. It's like the pay it forward thing. So then we just kept doing it. (laughs) We said, let's do it again and let's do it again. And this fall will be our ninth annual. Um, Last year we actually had, we're up to about 200 kids who come and we made over 1,334 ornaments. Where do you do this now with such a big group? We still do it at Summit View Elementary School. The principal there is so generous. Um, It's an art school, so it fits really well. So 
they advertise it to their students. We send it out to the school district. We put it out on social media. Um, Girl Scout troops have started coming. Um, it's kind of like when they came nine years ago, there were like four, and they were making yes. the ornaments. And now they're coming and running the stations and teaching the kids how oh, to make the ornaments. Fantastic. It's one of my favorite days of the year. I take off all of my orange garb for 364 days, and I am just Logan and Weston and Jaden's mom, and I am Melissa. And on the ornament day, I'm Owen's mom. And that's my one day a year to be Owen's mom and just ravel in that and um, pay it forward and teach these kids the importance. So tell our listeners how they can get involved, how to connect up with you, and if they want to send you um materials yeah if they do you need help to with must with all these kids helping them <laughs> or do parents it come is, with them how does yeah. it work we have grandparents aunts uncles neighbors bring kids of all ages um our youngest my niece actually came last year uh, i think she was three weeks old <laughs> so like any age literally can participate and make these ornaments and um, we've had parents or um it was like a family uh, field trip from La Casa that came and the adults are making them. It's really kind of funny because we have them sign their name and their age so that the people who receive it know either why the googly eyes aren't matching or whatever, <laughs> right? And because the really special ones are my favorite and they're usually like the two-year-olds. Um, but they put their name and their age and you can see like Dave, age 47 on some of these <laughs> cards and it's so funny and it's so precious. And this goes to Eras mm-hmm. and you distribute them to individuals that don't have ornaments. Yep, exactly. So it goes out uh, third week of December as part of a gift that we give out to 350 older adults who are very low income, isolated at the holidays. And one of my favorite stories is last year when we had a volunteer deliver to one of our recipients, she had no other Christmas decorations except for the ornaments except for the ornaments. And she had the volunteer delivery people sit down, and then she told the story of each year and each one of the ornaments and when she had received it. Oh so Melissa goodness. didn't even know that, no. but she had kept those for for all of the years. So we we don't even think about the impact that that has. But she remembered the story. She knew about Owen, and she told the volunteers about it. So, um, yeah, so they go out to all of those recipients along with a gift that has gift cards for for grocery stores and pharmacies and things to help them manage their basic needs. But even more importantly than that, they get these handmade ornaments. You know, Melissa, it's there's a, another whole story in this, and that's you. It's, <laughs> it's how you were able to rise above your own pain and sadness and sorrow, because I can't imagine what that would be like. And be able to turn, you know, someone once said to me, you know, turn a sow's ear into a purse or something. I mean, you were able to take something so tragic and make something so beautiful. And as you said, it kind of gave you closure and all that. But being able to do that, I just want to thank you and bringing this. That That is a tremendous gift to give to my listeners because we all find sorrow somewhere and it's kind of like that can be a launch pad for something so much greater it's a whole butterfly story you go into your cocoon and come out Mm -hmm. much much better off and every time i tell that story i'm like 
it's really sad and there's a lot of things and it happened a long time ago and it doesn't belittle the sadness, but the time and um, just the energy of being able to focus that into something positive has been incredibly healing. I think for me and, and other moms and my friends and my family who experienced, who went through it with me, who were there every step of the way. So, and the people you've touched and these three organs that gave somebody else life. Yes. Josie's amazing. She's beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> and I've had the privilege of meeting her in person <laughs> a couple times. And her parents are so generous to have allowed me. Um, the first time I met her, I was saying goodbye. And she was, I don't know, like four, four or five when I got to meet her. And she's like, okay, I don't really know who this woman is. And I'm like trying not to be like super creepy and in her business. But I'm like, oh, my God, I just want to like hug you and love you. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like keeping my pain. And I'll never forget her mom looking at Josie being like, it's time to leave. Go give your heart mom a hug goodbye. And as a mom myself, I'd never used the term mom to another woman because I am mom. And she called me heart mom, and it meant the world oh, that to just me. gives me such a cheer. It is. When you open yourself up, um, beautiful things can happen when you take a chance and you volunteer with eras or you take a chance to make something positive. Um, it's really something when quite you, beautiful. When you let the light in. Yep. When you allow yourself to be vulnerable. Yeah. Well, I am sorry because, but you just got, is there anything <laughs> that you didn't get to say? I just feel so bad because, so okay. listeners, I was thinking that we were dividing this into two sections and you got more time, but look at <laughs> it, it all works all out. About. It yeah. all works out because you work together and I'm so grateful that you were, you know, shared your story, but is there okay. anything that you want to say to my listeners? Anybody that wants to come out and make ornaments this year, we're doing it again. We'll be at Summit View Elementary School again this year. What date? Um, it's the Saturday before Thanksgiving. I can't okay. remember the day off the top of my head, but um, they can check all the details out on OwensLittleWarriors.com or they can find Owen Little Warriors on Facebook and we're pretty active there. Oh, thank yeah. you so much. And are we kind of, well, she's saying, yeah, you got to quit. I, you know, these are the times when there's so many more questions, but all you really have to do is go to ellenbecker.com. You can click on it if you in the car and you haven't been able to write anything down um, and participate. So I want to thank both of you, Kathy, Gail, who is the executive director of ERAs, and Melissa from Owens Little Warriors, which is all about her family and her children and mm-hmm. her way of, you know, making something absolutely beautiful happen in her son's name. And as always, I hope that I've made a difference in your lives. And please tune in to us again next week and have a great weekend.